0: Hi, this is Jill from the creepy state of Washington. Sinister sightings, scary and true, told by Donna and Carrie, submitted by you. Sinister sightings, funny and sad. Some stories make you happy, and some make you mad. Sinister sightings, both short and long, tales to help us understand each other and be strong. Stay strong and safe, you beautiful creatures. And I'm Carrie, And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings, 227. And y'all, we had another intro. Two in a row. I know. So thank you so much, Jill L.
1: I wish I could rhyme. I know you don't have those skills. No, I do. Okay, I can't rhyme. And don't ask me how many syllables is in something. <laughs> These are the things that are not my skills. Rhyming, how many syllables, and state abbreviations. Oh, God, yeah. I am not smarter than a fifth grader. <laughs> Okay, the first one, dreams really do come true. Two stories. Hi, ladies, love your podcast and have so many stories that I can share with you both. But for now, I will start with these two. Story one, I go through periods where I have very vivid dreams and other times, absolutely nothing. A few years ago in Orange County, California, I had gone to a speakeasy that had a pretty creepy vibe. It also happened to be a full moon that night and Friday the 13th for spooky factor. I was really feeling the vibes. I enjoyed some drinks and went to bed to wake up feeling absolutely terrified. I had a dream that was set in the neighborhood that the speakeasy I'd gone to was. I just remember walking to my car and getting cornered by a man who was well known in town. Was a supposedly likable man. Side note, I have no idea who this person was in real life. He pulled a knife out on me and looked me dead in the eye and said, I'm going to kill you. But he let me leave. In the alley where my car was parked, I saw this woman who works in the same building as me. In real life, we're cordial, but I wouldn't say we're friends or anything like that. So in the dream, I see her standing there watching the scenario, and I remember thinking, why isn't she helping me? It was almost like she was a fly on the wall. I woke up feeling incredibly disturbed and couldn't shake the feeling from that man telling me he was going to kill me. It felt so real. So I decided to bring a crystal to work with me to keep in my pocket. That's how scared I was. I was tempted to tell my coworker about my weird dream, but since we didn't really have a relationship, i didn't want to weird her out. When I saw her the next morning, something came over me, and I just had to tell her immediately upon saying hello to her, I could tell something was seriously wrong with tears in her eyes, she broke down and told me that last night she was physically attacked by the man whose house she was renting from and living in his house. He is a well-known man in the community who trains professional athletes. She told me this and my heart dropped. I couldn't help but think that maybe the man in my dreams was the same person that attacked her in real life. I think that it was a sign that this man has horrible intentions and that she needed to get out of that situation immediately. I told her about my dream and the message I received. I think that I was actually her in my dream. I asked if she happened to have a photo of the man she's renting from, and lo and behold, it was the same man I saw in my dream. She ended up moving out that night and had one of her friends go with her to retrieve all of her belongings to make sure that she stayed safe. I ended up giving her the crystal that I brought with me to work. We actually ended up becoming quite close after that happened. Story two. I'm very sensitive to energy paranormal happenings. Almost my entire family is as well. To piggyback off the above story, I want to share a similar dream scenario that my sister experienced. Many years ago, back in Chicago, my sister was working at a gym as a personal trainer. One night, she had dreamt that she was going to work and the receptionist looked at her and said that one of her coworkers had died by suicide the prior night. That was all she remembered from the dream. The next morning, she went into work and was tempted to tell her coworker about the dream, but didn't feel quite right doing that. She ultimately never said anything. The following day after that, she walked in and the receptionist let her know that this particular coworker had died by suicide the prior night, exactly how it played out in her dream. To this day, she feels guilty knowing she didn't say anything. Would have made a difference? Maybe, maybe not. Sadly, we'll never know. Has anyone else experienced premonitions like this? Would you share a disturbing dream you had about someone who you barely know? Anywho, thank you for taking the time to read this, and I will send in my ghost stories at a later date. Creep it real and don't get scared. Marie C. in Newport Beach. See, this is where Donna and I are different than y'all. Uh-huh. Because we would have absolutely fucking
0: shared those dreams. 100%. I would have been like, look, I know this is weird, but...
1: Like the other day I told my boss, I was like, so I had a dream that I ordered all this equipment for the uh, clinic and it was like these bottles that came in and I broke them and they were $800 each and I broke three of the four and I had to pay for them. <laughs> and he was like, what chemicals would you have been ordering for here? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. It was just in my dream. Yeah. Like, why would I tell him that? I know. Cause you've been around me too. Much. Because we're tellers.
0: <laughs> yes, we, we tell are. people
1: things. But I also hope that your sister doesn't feel guilt because I don't know that she could have controlled that situation. Right.
0: I think there's a difference, like how the one mom was like, Hey, don't go this way or don't speed because there's gonna be a bus by the school Mm -hmm. and whatever. That tell because okay, you can be proactive with that, but you telling the person about that dream, I don't think would have any any impact on if that person was going to complete that or not. Well, because too with the receptionist like your sister would have had to tell her. She would have had to have tell told the person, you know. Also, I'm just a very nosy person, so I would like if I had that dream, I would tell someone, like I would tell that person and be like, can I be here for you? What do you need? You know, I'm I'm a teller, I'm a listener, I'm all the things. I want all the information. But also that is super like creepy about the dream you had and that man pulled the knife on you. Like in a scary movie, it's like, do you have a photo of this guy? And yeah, that's the guy from my dreams. Yeah, that's a lot. But I'm glad she was able to get out of that situation. Okay, the next one. Sinister sightings, my stalking experience. Hello to the two most amazing and beautiful women I someday would like to meet. I have been listening to your podcast for about six months now, and I love every minute of it. I'm not a part of the creepsters yet. Being a single mom slash grandma is financially draining. Anywho, thank you so much for your podcast and for making me laugh every day, even when I was going through the worst of the things in the story I'm about to share. This is a true crime story that I unfortunately was at the center of. First of all, please do not use my name as this was a very recent event and I live in a small town. Of course, everyone already knows and I'm part of the lovely rumor mill, but let's try to keep it at a minimum. For the purpose of this story, all names have been changed to protect the innocent, aka me. Here goes. I live in a small rural community and have a fairly large backyard that's home to ducks, chickens, geese, and occasionally a goat or two. There's a six-foot wooden fence surrounding my backyard, and on the other side of that fence is a two-lane highway, which is the main road to get from town to town in the county. In the spring of 2020, a microburst of wind came through and destroyed my fence and turned it into a pile of firewood. Of course, my insurance would only give me a fraction of what it would cost to have the fence replaced, and I was trying to figure out what to do while spending too much time trying to keep my feathered friends off the highway. There is this local yokel guy that has some health issues, doesn't really work, and drinks a lot of beer and does odd jobs sometimes. Let's call this narcissistic fuckface asshat pile of ratchet jackass. To be honest, I didn't know that he was a narcissistic fuckface asshat pile of ratchet when all of this started, but I digress. So Jackass asked me if I need help with my fence, and we made a deal that we would salvage all the wood we could and only buy the minimum of new ones. He would fix the fence, and I would pay for everything, and whatever money was left over from the insurance, we would split. Win-win, right? So the deal is made, and Jackass starts coming over to work on the fence. It was slow going. He's in his 60s and has to take a break every 10 minutes for a beer, a smoke, and to rest his back. But it was getting done. Side note, this fence is like 200 feet long. The first half of the fence is looking good. And every afternoon after I got off work and he was done for the day, we would sit outside, have a beer or two and chat. No big deal. Side note, I work from home, usually in my jammies. Well, one day he started asking me to be his girl. What? No. I've had a long and treacherous track record in the men department, so I kindly told him I wasn't interested and that I decided that I would rather be the crazy neighborhood cat lady than be in a relationship. This set off a chain of events that's still ongoing. Every few weeks, he would ask me again, to which I would again turn him down. The fence work started getting shabbier and shabbier, and then I realized that I was being followed. He would park across the street in the parking lot, stand in the back of his truck and watch my backyard with binoculars. Then I went on a long planned trip out of town with a group of friends and he blew up my phone with calls and voicemails. No, seriously, he called me 415 times that day and left threatening messages stating that he had done something to my vehicle and that I had better call him or don't drive it. You'll regret it if you don't call me. I didn't call. I went on my trip and blocked his number. The next day I got calls from a number I didn't recognize and come to find out, Jackass had activated his wife's phone to call me. She had passed away a year previous. That is disgusting. Then things got worse. He would drive by my house hundreds of times a day and then start shooting into my backyard from his truck with a BB gun. He broke three windows, dented cars and busted out the windshield to a truck not to mention breaking my mama goose's wing. I reported these events to which the police did basically nothing because I couldn't prove it. Oh, did I forget to mention that I had three cameras set up? Well, they weren't clear enough for our local boys in blue. Besides, I was told it's just jackass. He's harmless. To which I told them that he was surely drinking and driving. The response to that, you might ask, well, he does that, but he's probably not too drunk. It's only five. Are you fucking kidding me? To shorten this story, I put up with several months of harassment, stalking, and some completely frightening shit from this piece of garbage with nothing being done, except that I did get the stalking injunction and a no-contact order, which he continually broke, and nothing ever happened to him for his infractions. Jackass continually threatened to kill me, my family, my friends. He ran my daughter off the road and continually shot at my house from the highway, The absolute worst was that he left a voicemail stating that he would slowly torture my seven-year-old granddaughter to death unless I spoke to him. Again, nothing was done until he left threatening voicemails on my sister's phone stating that he was going to murder one of the local police officers and shoot the knees out of another one. Oh, now they're taking things seriously. This ended up in a full-on standoff with multiple officers from all the surrounding areas in the foothills that lasted around 12 hours. During the standoff, Jackass threatened to blow up the town, kill me and my family, kill the cops, and also end his own life. The police came to me and asked me to talk to him and try to get him to give himself up. Seriously, this is a lifetime movie in the making. I agreed, and the officer set up the recording equipment to record it all. It turned into me just listening to him scream at me and call me names and threaten my life, stating that everything was my fault because I wouldn't love him. I tried. Really, I did. Finally, the officer took the phone away and tried to speak to Jackass to no avail. At four in the morning, I got a call from one of the officers. Jackass had run off into the hills, and they had searched for hours until it became too dangerous. They called off the search and were sending a car to come and get me and escort me to a safe house. Yeah, that's a hard no from me. Thank you very much. I must work tomorrow. Remember poor single mama over here? I have a dog, a little ankle biter that will at least alert me if someone's coming around and my guns. Yes, guns. I'm a country girl and I'm ready to shoot your stupid ass if you come at me or mine. You better believe it. They found Jackass 12 hours later and he was about three blocks from my house. So now he's in prison and is scheduled to be released on parole in February of 2024, mostly because he tried to kill officers, not really anything that he put me through. So that's my story except for my soapbox about how stalking cases need to be taken much more seriously and the good old boy networks need to eat shit and die. Unfortunately, there are many more details of what happened, but to go through all that would take hours. Well, thank you ladies for reading my story. And again, thank you for doing what you do and being you. You're the absolute best. As always, creep it real. That sounds so terrifying. Beyond terrifying, because he threatened to harm you, your family, your animals who are also your family. I just don't understand after all
1: this time, how stalking cases aren't taken more seriously
0: right yeah this one is recent it's not like oh this happened 10 years ago this is fucking recent all i can say is i'm really glad that he threatened the police so they would do something right and get him off the street and then they had
1: all that evidence of him threatening you on the phone call yeah for real which clearly i don't guess it mattered well we're glad you're safe and fuck him Oh, and sidebar, we also understand that not everybody can financially contribute to Patreon and to be, you know, being the creepy naughty, blah, blah, blah. But if you can't, there's so many ways you can support us. You can, you know, word of mouth, share the episodes, review us, all the things. So just because you can't support us on Patreon, don't feel like you can't support us in many other ways. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. My name is Dorothy C from Modesto, California. I have seen, spoken, and have been touched by ghosts, both good and bad, since I was two years old. Most never scared me, except when my mom appeared to me three months ago. She passed away December 1st, 2022 from a sudden heart attack. Mama wanted to earn extra Christmas money, so she got hired to be a Santa helper at Tracy Mall on her first day, she was in the employee break room talking to my brother and began complaining of severe back pain. And my brother asked her if she wanted to go to the hospital, but she said no, she would just take a pain pill and that she would just sit down and rest a few minutes. So my brother said, Okay, when you feel better, come out and join the other coworkers. Well a few minutes went by and my brother began to wonder what was taking her so long. So we went back to the employee break room and when he walked in, he found her on the floor non-responsive. He tried CPR on her and it wasn't working. The paramedics came and they worked on her for 30 minutes. Finally, she was pronounced dead at 8 40 a.m. I was and still am distraught because she had just called me at 8 a.m. to tell me that she found her ATM card and that she was going to go to her friend's house for a bit and come back home with dad. We said our love you's and I went back to sleep. So three months ago, she appeared to me and she was standing in the little hallway and kitchen area. I was up. I can't sleep in general. So I got up to get some salmon for my bunny bunny kitty. I opened the door and plain as day, she said my name. Yes, she scared the heebie-jeebies out of me. I ducked into the bathroom and sat on the toilet seat, scared shitless. I began to breathe heavy scared she might come through the door so i sat in the bathroom for an hour and a half Uh, mind you the house was chilly so i had my little space heater on when i finally had the guts to come out and go back to my room which was next door my breath was visible my ceiling fan was stopped yet the switch was on the space heater light was on the control knob was up but no heat I figured that my mom was in the room with me, so I walked around to my bed, sat down, and apologized to her for not acknowledging her presence, and that I hoped she was proud of me for the house being kept up, and that I had hoped she wasn't disappointed in me, and that I really missed her in our times watching TV shows. I began to feel inner peace, and I looked over to my lamp next to my bed, and it was flickering really fast, and the ceiling fan started, and the space heater went on. And in case you're wondering about... Oh, it's Honey Bunny. In case you're wondering about Honey Bunny, salmon in the fridge, I gave her some delectables and Temptation Cat treats. She had her dinner early in the evening. One more. I had been up as usual. My sleeping pills were not working till finally 3.17 a.m. I began to feel incredibly drowsy. So I turned off the lamp and tried to get comfortable, but I just couldn't find the right spot till I finally gave up. I began to close my eyes and 10 minutes later, I felt my calves being caressed. I woke up wide-eyed under the covers and thought at first it was my cat walking by and brushed her tail up against me. Then I fell asleep, and five minutes later, it happened again, except this time my ankle was grabbed. I woke up and tried to turn around and turn on the light, but my blankets flew off my bed in different directions, and I reached around to grab something to defend myself, but I couldn't grab anything because something had both of my ankles. By this time, I began to feel pressure on my stomach, then chest. Then I was pulled down to the foot of the bed. My arms lifted and went over my head and they were being held down. I was terrified. I tried to scream, yell, but nothing was coming out. Both cats went into the closet and I looked over to my doorway and a being was standing there. He was wearing a long black coat, a big hat like fedora or cowboy hat type leaning on my door, grinning at me. I thought to myself, what the fuck is happening to me? So it took everything in me to bring it out from the deep. And I screamed out, dear mighty father, please send down that Archangel Gabriel to come down, protect me, my parents, and please get rid of these evil creatures. My room suddenly got really bright and all I saw was feathers. I passed out from sheer exhaustion. When I woke up later that day, still on the foot of the bed, looking around wondering what the fuck happened to me there were feathers all over my room and my room smelled real pure if you can imagine what that would smell like to this day i still sleep with the lights on the lowest dim and still have a hard time sleeping even more now
0: okay uh i think the hat man visited you and also i love someone to caress my calves i love a foot fetish I love all that, but not someone that you know is unseen, you know, yeah, or like
1: pulling you into the, the bed. That sounds like a fucking scary movie,
0: uh-huh. well, I don't know what sleep medicine you take, but Lunesta works wonders for me. Nothing else worked that left me groggy, and I just didn't sleep well, but Lunesta is where it's at for me, Farm D over here. <laughs> recommended (laughs) medication. Oh my gosh. Talk to your doctor. Don't listen to Donna. Yeah. Don't listen to me. Okay. The next one. Hey ladies, my name is Elizabeth and I currently live in North Hancock County, Mississippi, and soon to be moving to Oklahoma. I love your podcast. I've always had a fascination with the paranormal and true crime and recently got into podcast when I was told about y'all and your new podcast. I was in physical therapy at Highland in Picayune, and my physical therapist told me about your podcast, and I quickly pulled it up for the ride home. Anywho, I have tons of stories to share with you ladies after my son, who also listens to your podcast with me, talked me into sending in my stories, so I'm only sending a few at a time in. So here it goes. Story one, the little girl who looked like me, question mark. When I was a little girl, about four or five, I lived in Oklahoma, but would come and visit my mom in Mississippi. She was living with my now stepdad and step-siblings in a double wide when I came down for the summer. This house didn't feel off or weird or anything, and I didn't know it was haunted until later in life, but most experiences happened while I was there. One night while my siblings and I slept, my stepdad saw a little girl that looked like me walk into the room where we were sleeping and thought to himself, that's weird, I never saw her get up, as we had to walk directly past him to get a drink, use the bathroom, whatever, because the room was off the living room. He just checked in on us and then went back to bed. Then a few nights later, he was sleeping. He's an extremely light sleeper and he felt like he was being stared at. So he opened his eyes to what he thought was me standing there asking to get in bed with him and my mom. I wasn't the one to ask as I just did it all the time, so I never asked them. He said yes and told me to get by my mom. But he said that when he rolled over to help me under the blanket, no one was there. At the end of the summer, he was sleeping yet again and woke up to a noise in the kitchen. As he was getting up to check, he thought he saw me walk through carrying my blanket back to the living room where I was sleeping. He got up to make sure we were all safely in bed and and found that I never had my blanket with me. He was never scared or freaked out except when I asked to get in bed with them. To this day, I don't remember having any of these experiences myself though. Number two, the spirit that liked to mess with us. This story is the first paranormal story that I can remember experiencing these things. I was very young, but no older than five or six. When I lived in Oklahoma, I was living with my dad. I'll call him C. And stepmom, I'll call her T. And stepsister, I'll call her K. We had a spirit who liked to mess with us. We had a linen closet in the hallway, and it had to be closed in order to get from my sister and I's bedrooms. The door seemed to always be open, and we were constantly having to close it. At night, I would feel as if I was being watched. And what made it more eerie was that there were railroad tracks behind our house. My room was the closest room to them and the train always came around our bedtime. One day after a long day of school, Kay and I worked for tea. We pulled into the driveway and to Kay and I, she put on a brave face and told us to stay in the car with the doors locked. We were curious why and are looking out the window Only to see that our front door is wide open. The garage is open. And every window, the blinds are wide open. With every light on in the house. She was completely freaked out and called C. Telling him she thought someone broke into our house before going to check it out. But nothing was out of place and nothing was missing. After it happened a few times, we decided... We were going to do the opposite of what we normally did, but we still closed the garage and locked and closed the front door. But we left every light on and the blinds all open. When we got home that evening, all the lights were off and the blinds were closed. The garage was still the way we left it, as was the front door. But we never had an issue again except the dang linen closet door. I thought for the longest time that I made it up in my head until I recently brought it up to Kay at a family get-together and she said, oh, you're talking about the haunted house. And I asked her if she ever had issues with the linen closet door and found out she did as well. Story number three, doppelganger? I also remember in a double wide, I lived in with them and my little brother before moving to Mississippi to live with my mom that I was getting ready to go to work with my dad and everyone else had left besides my dad and I. I was brushing my teeth, but I was in my brother's room and I was jumping from one jumbo block to the other while brushing and I saw movement by the door out of the corner of my eye and I looked up thinking my dad was there telling me to hurry up or checking on me. When I looked though, I saw T who I'll remind you she was not at home. She was yelling at me, but I couldn't hear anything she said. It was silent. And then I ran past her to the bathroom, rinsed my toothbrush, and went to tell my dad I was ready. I never had another experience like that again, at least not with them. I will send in more stories later when I'm not sitting in the car ride or line to get my son from school. Sorry, it's long, but I had to fulfill my boys' wish. Me and my three boys, and sometimes my husband listens to y'all every time we're in the car, and we love listening to y'all and laughing with y'all. Creep it real and scary, Elizabeth, raising those boys upright. Uh huh. Um, I don't know which one of them told you,
1: but about us, but I'm thankful. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I may have already texted them and been like I and literally told them that. I don't know which one of y'all told her, but thanks. <laughs> Doppelgangers are scary. They are because they're like ominous, right?
0: Yeah. But also just it makes you question your sanity. Like, no, I saw this person standing there, but I know it couldn't be them.
1: But if it wasn't them, then what the hell was it? Right. So you're like, oh, it had to have been them. Yeah, it's them. I love how everybody's just so nonchalant and like, oh yeah, the haunted house. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I remember that.
1: No right? problem. <laughs>
0: Doesn't sound like a reaction I would have. But again, we're tellers. So no one would ask us if we remember because we would tell them that we had remembered. Yeah, we would tell them from the jump the story. Like "Oh y'all
1: like holding stuff. I think about that in the movies. I'm like, why don't y'all just tell the people this? And so then they wouldn't get mad that they think that you're hiding this when you just would have could have just told them. But then most of the time I shouldn't tell people the things I tell people. So you know what? This is why we don't do lives. (laughs) She has no filter. I mean, that's totally not why, but she really doesn't have a filter. Hey, girlies, I am such a huge fan, and I look forward to hearing all of your stories every week. It literally brings me so much joy. And as an ER nurse, you guys are part of my self-care routine every night. Anyway, I have a weird story and would love to hear your thoughts on it. It's kind of short and sweet, but still weird nonetheless. I was in high school, and me and my family would drive to Florida every year during winter break to visit family. I live in Michigan, so it's about a 24-hour drive. I'm a car sleeper, so every time we went, I was useless and slept most of the time. I would lay down in the back seat and snooze. We were going through Indiana, and because it was winter, it was pretty icy out. I was sleeping in the back seat when all of a sudden I got a weird falling feeling, or like a feeling that something was not right. I bolted up right in the back of the car. At that same exact moment, we watched a smaller car in front of us slide across the median and went into the opposite side of traffic and was T-boned by a semi-truck. It immediately burst into flames. My dad is a retired police officer, so we debated on stopping. However, my little brothers were also in the car and due to the severity of the accident, we knew it was not going to be good and my brothers shouldn't see any of that. We did call 911 and reported what happened. Sadly, the Car had a whole family inside and they all passed away. I literally still can't wrap my head around how my body got the feeling something was wrong and then something catastrophic happened at the exact moment I woke up and sat up. I don't know if it was just coincidence or if it was instinct or something otherworldly telling me something was wrong. Either way, it still gives me chills. It was a very tragic event, and I think about that family almost daily. Thank you for giving me a safe place to share and letting me creep it real. I have lots more paranormal stories that I'll write in soon. Lots of love, Sarah.
0: First, thank you for your service as an ER nurse. And
1: it's probably your intuition that makes you so good at being a nurse Mm -hmm. that made you feel that. Yeah, I think so, too. When you see an accident like that, it really does stay
0: with you. Yes, I also sleep in the car a lot, but I can't lay down in the back, but I will stretch out unless I'm in Colby's car and then I wrap up as like tight as I can get in a blanket burrito because it's freezing in there, unless we're coming back from the zoo and then I'm hot as balls. But on to the next one, <laughs> a couple of stories. Hello, ladies. My name is Esther and you can use it. First off, I love you both and I'd love to meet you sometime. I've been meaning to write a follow-up to my original email, but life keeps getting in the way. So here I am on spring break, sitting next to my kitty Dot at 1:30 a.m. And I think to myself, now's as good a time as any. So here it goes. I left off my last email promising to tell you about how my boyfriend at the time, now husband, accidentally summoned a demon. So here's the story. Picture it, my boyfriend, Scott and I were still dating just before we were engaged. The year was 2002 in Iowa. We thought it would be a good idea to play with the Ouija board. Great idea, I know. I was living in a duplex apartment and Scott was over for the evening, but planning on leaving at night as he had to work in the morning. So we set up the board on the floor of the living room, lit some candles and then asked if anyone would like to speak to us. Also, Scott had an audio recorder set up. So we waited, and soon the planchette started to move. It moved slowly at first, then more smoothly and quickly. I noticed that just before the planchette moved each time, my hands would start to tingle and felt as if they were vibrating. I trusted Scott enough to know that he wasn't moving it, and neither was I. We ask it the usual questions, what year is it? What's your name? How old are you? And it seemed to answer easily enough. Then after talking for a while, it said it had to go. And with that, the planchette began moving in slow circles around the board. Just as we were about to say goodbye and call it a night, there were three audible knocks on the living room wall. And with that, the planchette started moving quickly, almost violently around the board, continuing in circles, then quickly spelling something out. I honestly cannot remember what it spelled, but it spelled something unsettling. We asked who it was, and it answered no. We asked if it was related to who we were speaking with before, and the planchette moved quickly from Z to O and back again several times. I was terrified, and Scott grabbed the planchette off the board before saying goodbye. I panic whispered that we had to say goodbye, so Scott quickly put the planchette back on the board. I put my fingers on it along with his and said goodbye. We then put it away for the night. Something felt off about the apartment, though. Scott had to leave, so I was left alone in my apartment with my two cats, Diablo and Andante. I could feel something else was in the room. I was nervous and felt sick to my stomach, like something was watching me. Worse though, when I climbed into bed, I could feel something right next to the bed as if it were leaning over me. Both cats sat on the bed staring at the place I knew it to be. They sat there all night as if guarding me. I'd said some prayers, imagined a white light surrounding my bed in a bubble and going all the way down into the ground. I kept the light on all night and only briefly slept. When I had to pee, I just held it. I prayed all night and by morning it had gone. That was the most terrifying night of my life. I'd like to say that was the last time I played with the Ouija board, but I'd be lying. Apparently, I'm a slow learner. I mentioned that Scott had an audio recorder set up. Well, when it was played back, you can clearly hear a soft whistling sound each time right before the planchette moved you could hear us asking questions a pause a soft whistle sound and then the scrape of the planchette on the board it was crazy it's sending chills on my back just thinking about it now we kept that recording for years after and it may still be around backed up on one of the myriad of hard drives scott has kept over the years if i ever run across it i'll send it to you my second story is much nicer after my mother passed away at age 79 of cancer, my siblings and I gathered for the visitation and the funeral. My now husband, Scott, and I stayed at a hotel. The night of the visitation, I could feel my mother's presence as we all said goodbye. But it wasn't until later that night in that hotel room that I was certain she was there. As I was drifting off to sleep, I clearly heard her say my name. I quickly sat up and said, I'm here, Mom. I told her that I loved her and that I would miss her. And then I went back to sleep. The next morning, Scott, waiting until I woke up, told me this. Shortly after he and I fell asleep, Scott woke up. He looked up and he saw me sitting on the short partition wall between the sleeping area and the sitting area of the hotel room. He couldn't understand why I was there. Then he looked into the bed and he saw me sleeping. He looked back and realized it was my mother, but young. You see, everyone has always said what a dead ringer I am for my mom. Just the spitting image of her. I still hear it from older relatives when they see me. She was leaning back, reading a book, and glancing at me as she read. Scott was going to wake me, but as he was going to, she faded away. After hearing this, I felt lighter than I had in weeks. I knew my mother was okay and she still had her books. She always loved to read. I know she's okay and I know she's happy. Well, that's all I have for now. Next time, I'll send you the story of how we stayed in our friend's haunted house in England. Until then, remember to creep it real and don't get scared, Esther. Well,
1: Esther just made it sound like it was common knowledge that you were supposed to ask what year it was. I mean, I guess that was their clarifying
0: question. What the fuck do you mean by that? I don't know. Like if the spirit knew what was happening. Oh, Okay. Are you alert and oriented? <laughs> spirit, <laughs>
1: Do you know what to- what year it is? It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? <laughs> I mean, the fuck? I
0: didn't know that. I'm glad you didn't spell out Z-O, like the name. So I had to say it. Maybe he's like Marley. So when I say you want a G-O, she doesn't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And so I can say like, O oh, B Y E B Y E to someone else because she again can't spell it. Why wouldn't you just say bye like why would you tell a grown adult I don't do you know. want to go bye-bye <laughs> i don't know i'm talking about marley mm-hmm. and going and say something about going bye-bye but i don't know you know me i still say hurricane
1: katrina i wonder well now you got to there's so many but i wonder if anybody listening their dog was like
0: baba <laughs> go what <laughs> marley would be at that door doing her tippy taps and if i put on my bra It doesn't matter what she's doing. She's like, oh, let's go. Let's go, girls.
1: (laughs) You got the girls up. Let's go. (laughs) All right. The next one. Hello from Canada. Please call me Taylor. All names and locations have been changed. It's now April 2023, and I'm on episode 100 of Sinister Sightings. Maybe by the time I catch up, you'll have read my story. I think the first time I heard you lovely ladies was on the Paranormal Podcast with Jim Harold at the tail end of the pandemic after listening to a few episodes i just had to start from the beginning i really love your sense of humor and those laughs get me every time i just about busted a gut on one of your earlier episodes <laughs> when donna
0: <laughs> oh lord <laughs>
1: Oh, Jesus. Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what you're going to say. When
1: Donna was talking about walking in on her mom, cowgirl, her dad,
0: I just about died. <laughs> True story. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: I really envy your friendship. You two have this amazing sisterly connection to one another. You finish each other's sentences and just know each other so well. I wish we all had that. Thank you for this community. And now without further delay, here's my story. Actually, it's my husband's. It's the summer of 2000 in Edmonton, Alberta. It's Friday night and your new friend slash roommate drags you out to a neighborhood pub. Your wife has just left you and took your two kids. It was a toxic relationship. And she has just ripped your heart out. She took your kids back home to New Brunswick for a wedding and never came back. You have no hope in hell and getting your kids back because she left you with a pile of debt. Her family is wealthy and she has their full support. You get to the pub and you're in no mood to be social. So you quietly nurse your drink while your friends joke around and check out the ladies when Barry notices one of his ex-girlfriends named Sheila. She tells the guys it was him who dumped her but after seeing her reaction to him we can all guess what happened plus he was kind of a jerk anyway either way she politely accepts his invitation and her party joins your table everyone's having a great time but the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you've barely said a word to anyone all night the evening winds up and everyone is saying goodbye when Sheila extends When Sheila extends her hand and says, it was really nice to meet you, you take her hand and her smile slowly fades. Her eyes well up with tears and she starts to cry. You freeze, unsure what to do or say. And after a minute, she says, I don't know how you can smile with so much sadness in your heart, but know that she will never be happy and you will be. My husband and I have been married for 16 years now, and his ex-wife still lives in New Brunswick. She lives common law with her cousin, and they had a third child. My two stepchildren are somewhat estranged from their mother, and I'm happy to report that one of them chose to live in the same city as us. We have a great relationship with them and their little family, and we take our grandson for sleepovers at least once a week. My husband's ex-wife has only met our first and only grandchild once. He's now three. I like to think that this is karma for robbing my husband of being a father. Then remind myself to think good thoughts because you reap what you sow. Creep it real, ladies. And thanks for all your hard work on the podcast. Taylor. Did you just say that she is common law with her cousin? Uh-huh. And they had a kid? Mm-hmm. Kissing cousins? <laughs> Isn't that illegal? I mean, to an extent. I know. Like, you can't marry your first cousin. But, I mean, what the fudge? <laughs>
0: Who are you? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah, that took a turn. The cousin? Yeah, the cousin.
1: Also, that uh, Sheila person had a lot of intuition. Yes, she did. Can
0: can she do a reading for me? (laughs) (laughs) But also, you know, your husband at that time had to be like, I'm going to hold on to that. Like that she's not going to be happy, but I am. Yeah. And I'm glad y'all are happy. And that's awesome that you get to see your grandchild and all of that. Sometimes you have to go through those really terrible relationships to appreciate how wonderful your wife is right now. Mm-hmm. Colby. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, the last one. Hey, ladies, I've been listening for a couple of months. I got my brother listening too. I've had many experiences since I was four. This one isn't scary at all. It was 2004 or 2005. My dad had a little dog named Killer, some kind of terrier mix. We were really never sure because we got her from a neighbor. She had passed in 2002 at 16. So I'm sitting in the living room at the big desktop computer. To my right, my lab, Sunshine, is sleeping two or three feet away. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something on the floor between me and Sunshine. I look down and I see Killer standing there looking at me. Sunshine raised her head and looked at the exact spot I saw Killer. After a minute, Killer just faded out. Sunshine gave me a, did you see that look? I saw Killer another time, just checking on me the way she always did. I have lots more stories and you can use my name, Julie S. I definitely believe that dogs come back and see you. I think so too.
1: Because sometimes you can hear the little clickety clacks, you know, walking down the hall, but nobody's really there. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, your
0: dog acknowledged, like, did you see what I saw?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I told you all about the little Paw Patrol thing I did, and it really looked like Bo was in the background. Yes.
0: I wholeheartedly believe that. Well, I'm glad we ended on a sweet note. Not that Killer had passed, but that Killer came to see you and comfort you. Thank you all
1: so much for these awesome stories and thank you all everyone who's been spreading the word about the podcast because clearly it works. Just like I said earlier in the episode, even if you can't support us on Patreon, there's so many other ways to support us. So keep talking, keep spreading the word. And if you have a story you want us to read, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared.